UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Andy Anderson. And we have a jam-packed roster of things to discuss. First up, Andy, you've been going to home games for quite a long time. How do you feel about the changes to the field at Michigan Stadium? I like the idea of the new field. Uh, I like the idea of the blue end zones. And I hope Michigan isn't blue because they don't score touchdowns. But I think that's a nice touch. Several Rose Bowls have been decorated the same way with the black M with the usual uh, maze letters and stuff. And to me, it'll be a, a nice improvement. I think it'll look good. All for it. You know, I wonder, is there a rule that both end zones need to be the same color? <laughs> I guess not. I don't know. I hadn't really thought of that. What's, what's your opinion on that? Well, you know, I, I thought it would be really cool if you're going to change it up to have one maize end zone and one blue end zone. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm especially thinking, you know, when you're giving descriptions, you know, uh, it's it's one thing to say Michigan is heading toward the south end zone or the north end zone, but to say that they're heading toward the, the blue end zone or the maze end zone, I thought would be a nice touch. Um, you know, well, some some people are up in arms over the change, and, and again, I, I I'm fine. You know, it's uh, you know I'm much more concerned with what we see on the field from the team. Um, if if this spruces things up a little bit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, everything that adds a little excitement, I, I think it's a good deal, and I even like your suggestion uh, of a maze end zone and a blue end, end, end zone, because it is descriptive, and you could just, you know, rather than the north-south thing that goes on forever. You know, and, and you know, being a northerner, I don't like to describe anything in southern terms, so uh, maybe, maybe that's something that we can look at uh, suggesting in the future. Um, yeah, you bet. So, uh, more news out of uh, out of Fort Harbaugh. Uh, coach has confirmed that all roster spots are open for competition. They, it, it doesn't matter if you're uh, what star you were, or if you're a returning starter, or if you're a walk-on, or what. All spots will be competed for. Um, and again, uh, again, if that helps the team get better, great. Um, you know, I, I do have to say, I think it's this sort of thing that I can see grading on some of the older players. Um, but again, you know, again, if, if that's what it's if that's what it's take, you know, one thing that I thought when they announced this is I'm like, oh, so are all, are all the coaching spots available too? <laughs> because uh, definitely we've seen some things that I think we could do better on the coaching side. Um, so we will leave that up to Coach Harbaugh. We, again, we have a new offensive line coach, which I think is going to be one of the big differences. Um, Andy, what, what do you think about the announcement that all roster spots are open and that everybody's competing every day for every spot? Well, it's not a surprise he's done this in prior years, too, but it's particularly applicable to the, the quarterback position. I think that most of the people, most of the fans out there think that the quarterback position is pretty well in the hands of Shea Patterson, and I'm not so sure that's true. You hear some good reports about Peters and the guys that are behind there, 
and this is the most crowded this is the most crowded quarterback room that I ever remember Michigan having. They've got a plethora of quarterbacks there with Peters and Cade McNamara and Joe Milton. And uh, they got a new one this year that i got to look up his name. I'm not familiar with it yet. Can't remember what his name is. I've got him here someplace. I'll find him before the day is out here. But it's a very crowded room, and I think there's going to be real competition there. And I think some of them, like Peters, are going to get better this year. So it, it might be closer than you think. Well, kind of an off. I hope kind he of get, an off. I hope he gets better. Um, I hope the position gets better. Um, you know, it, 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 it's interesting. It has Andy. to get better. It's interesting, Andy, because I was I was talking to a longtime observer of the program. You know, huge fan. Huge supporter of Coach Harbaugh, huge, huge Michigan football supporter. And he said something that, that kind of gave me a chill. He said, you know, this reminds me of, of Hoke's third year, of that everything was really quiet with kind of a nervous anticipation. And, and we know that that didn't really work out too well. Um, and, I, and, I, and I said, yeah, but there's lots of differences. And he says, boy, I sure hope so. But... It's interesting because among a lot of long-time supporters, I'm sensing that nervous anticipation in that I don't think we saw the uh, advancement at the quarterback position that we expected last year. You know, the thought seven, was... Seven, seven aerial touchdowns for the year. Well, and the thing is, you know what they say about quarterbacks. The most popular guy on the team is the second-string quarterback. Well, we went through so many quarterbacks last year, and, and we didn't really see a drastic improvement. And then you have the, the idea of Spate choosing not to return. And, you know, when we're talking about all positions are, are up for competition, you know, when you watch that Amazon series of, uh, you know, that showed kind of behind the scenes, it really looked like that the competition and, and, and the the tear, wear and tear of the season wore on Spate last year and I, I mean after you see that I'm not completely surprised he transferred you know I think he wants to go into you know go somewhere where where he's the man or you know because again you know let's be realistic you know he wants to put himself in the best position to go on to the next level and if, if there was a chance that you know that he wasn't going to get a good look or that, that he didn't have Harbaugh's complete confidence, um, I, you know, I can understand why he left. And, and you know, well, they, and when they can, you're running for when you're running for your life as much as they did, they were way down in. They gave up a lot of TFLs. They gave up sacks. They were one of the most porous offensive lines in the country. And you're not going to have good quarterback play when you have to face that all the time. And uh, that certainly hurt uh, space activities back there. I don't blame him if he was worried for his life because he was getting assaulted all the time. And you can't have that. Now, that's got to change. If that doesn't change this year, this, this is the most critical year, in my opinion, that Harbaugh is going to have in Michigan because they have to do something this year. 
and they have a very tough schedule with most of their big games away from home this year. And so he's he's got to show that he has remodeled the offense, that they can score touchdowns, that they can move the chains, that they can help that defense out. And lack of talent could be cited during Holt's regime, but you can't cite lack of talent on either side of the ball now. This is a very talented football team. They got a lot of good players. And Hoke, er, Hoke, and Jim Harbaugh has to prove that he knows how to use them. He's proved it at Stanford. He proved it at San Francisco. But he has not proved it at Michigan. And that albatross has to be put down. This is the year that things have got to go well for that football team. They have to prove they can win. They got to prove that they're better conditioned and they can last the whole game. The last three games last year, they were ahead fairly late in games, lost every one of them. And part of that had to be uh, conditioning. So I'm kind of happy that Ben Herbert is there now and the reports that are coming out that people are bigger, stronger, and maybe even quicker and faster in some instances and that things will go a little better for him. But I think this is a big year for Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. It's the year they got to have some success. And speaking of quarterback, uh, rumor is, or not rumor, it's been confirmed now, that Jeff George Jr. is transferring into the program. Yet another transfer looking to learn under the tutelage of, of Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, again, like you said, it's a very full quarterback room. I understand why quarterbacks want to come here to to learn under Harbaugh, but you know, the thing that I really want to see is a quarterback that he's recruited and developed do well. I, I'm 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 tired of the transfers, and I understand where we are, uh, you know, with Shea Patterson right now. That um, you know, the assumption is that he's the best guy in the room. But, uh, again, I would be fine with him getting beat out by, by Milton or someone else who's been, on the, who's been under Harbaugh. So, you know, I, I'm, you know the, the thought is, the historical track record is that Harbaugh is a great developer of quarterbacks. And yet, I don't know that that data is here yet under Michigan. I have not seen it. Um, it's not present in Ann Arbor on Harbaugh's behalf yet. Not yet. He's got to prove it, and that's going to be critical. I think a lot of fans are standing back a little bit in apprehension this year because most people that are reporting, you know, this time of year there's a lot of Kool-Aid, and rightly so, and there's a lot of enthusiasm for this team. I'm, I'm enthused for this team. I think they have a lot of talent, and I think that they, they, they have the need to do something uh, better than they have the past few years under him. The last year was a terrible year, and there's no question about it. they got to do something, and it's got to be now. And a lot of people are suddenly from Missouri. They want to be proven. They, in, before they get too enthusiastic, they want to see some results. And the fact of the matter is that I don't think anybody really knows how good Michigan will be this year until they take the field at Notre Dame and we see some 
some proof there because many of the reporters that make predictions for Michigan have never seen this team practice. They aren't allowed in the practice sessions. They don't get to watch this team. They see them on game dates. And until those game days get here, we won't really know what they have. But I have a feeling, and it's a deep-seated feeling, that they're going to improve and be very good on both offense and defense. That defense should be as good as it was last year. Well, we're going to need the defense to be as good as it was last year. And the scary thought is, with how good the defense has been, the what if is, what if the defense, you know, everybody wants to play the game of what if the offense was better. What if the defense hadn't been as good the last couple of years, where would we be? Um, and, and that's truly a chilling thought. But, again, the defense looks stacked. They've performed uh, well under Coach Brown, and, and hopefully there's, there's no indications that they're not going to have another banner year. The question is, will the... Uh, will the offense be able to hold up their end of the bargain? Um, and, and I think that's, that's really the thing hanging over, over the season. You have, will the offensive line get better? And as you mentioned, if the offensive line gets better, that's going to do a lot to help whoever is under center or a shotgun, depending, however, whatever offense they're running these days. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing when you're looking at the long-term scope of, of the program, you know, we can talk about that, you know, why hasn't Michigan had better quarterbacks? You know, I think the one truly outstanding quarterback that we've seen uh, in the Rich Rod, Hoke, Harbaugh era was Denard Robinson. And he was a once-in-a-generation talent. Um, you know, we can actually question if whether or not he should have played quarterback. He might have been better, he might have been better suited at running back. But but the point was is that he definitely got done what you needed at quarterback. Um, but and, and it's been kind of a kind of slim pickings uh, other than that. But the other thing to consider is under Hoke, Rodriguez, and Harbaugh, why hasn't Michigan been able to develop? Uh, top shelf talent on the offensive line, and I think you know. And well, there, there, there's even a deeper question: Why haven't they been able to recruit as good on the offensive side of the ball as they have been on the defensive side? Well, they, they haven't been getting the, the the playmakers they need. Well, yeah, but but again, I, I think, and, and again, this is going back to your point: If the offensive line is better. It makes everybody else on the offensive side of the ball better. More time. Um, and, again, we've identified, you know, again, the, the, the issue the last couple of years is the quarterback's getting pounded. So when you, you step, when you step back, the last truly great offensive lineman was Taylor Lamont. Okay? And right. that was right at the end. Okay? And, and, you know, he went on. You know, and, and he's having a decent NFL career. And, and, you know, people ask, well, what about Mason Cole? Mason Cole's a four-year starter. And, and this is nothing against Mason Cole. You know, I wish him all the best. Hopefully he's going to have, have a really good, decent, a really good NFL career. But the point is, on past years, Mason Cole would have been your second-best offensive lineman. 
Okay? And I'm talking about, on a, you know, compared to a John Jansen, compared to a Jake Long. There's nothing wrong with Mason Cole. The problem is, is he's been your best offensive lineman for four years. He started as a freshman. And that's a problem when he's one of your best linemen as a freshman. That, you know, again, nothing against him, but there's not a lot, there hasn't been a lot around him. And, and again, well, Newsom, Newsom would have been great at that position had he, had he not been injured. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but Andy, woulda, but Andy, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Okay, we're not talking about just one injury. We're talking about over almost a decade. Okay, a decade. If you add up Rich Rod, Hoke, and Harbaugh, it's been a decade. That is, that's incredible, and not in a good way. I mean. Part of the reason that they haven't developed the offenses, they've changed offensive philosophies in there, too. There was a big change uh, from Carter Rodriguez and a big change to Hulk again and then another change to Jim. So they, uh, Rodriguez definitely did not recruit the same kind of offensive down linemen that the rest of the Michigan bunch has. They were different, and they had a few years there. They had one year when there was it thirteen when all all uh, the new guys disappeared. Yeah, make it left. Yeah, but 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 understand that. But understand that that's part of my question. Okay, and, and we can talk about philosophical changes. Okay, so let's say well, that, so, that's 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 part of the answer too. When you change schemes, no, no, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, let me finish. So let's just say that we had the next great offensive lineman during the Rich Rod era, during the Hulk era, and during the Harbaugh era. And then the offensive philosophy changed. Which guy transferred and was awesome? Which guy said, I don't fit here, and went on to greatness somewhere else? And what I'm saying is, when you look at all the offensive linemen we've recruited over 10 years... Yeah, there's going to be injuries. There's always injuries. That's just part of the game. I really wonder, you know, again, when you see how how much we've struggled, that seems to be the biggest constant to me. Is that, I mean, I and I remember, okay, let's look back, okay, um, again, during the Hulk era, at the end, um, remember the year Matt Gutierrez was going to be the next great quarterback, right? And a week before the season, uh, it leaked out that he was injured and Chad Henney had to come in. Chad Henney was not a great quarterback when he started, but he had an awesome offensive line, and it let him develop. Okay? Yes. So the question is, that wasn't just one good guy. That was five good guys. That has been the biggest drop-off that I've seen as an observer of the program. And again, this isn't throwing Mason Cole under the truck. He's a he's a really good offensive lineman, but he's not great, and he's he's not Jake Long. He's not John Jansen, and and we used to get those. There used to be one or two. I remember the term that that Hoke used a road grader, somebody who was just going to come in, and and Lawan is the last person who I remember watching dominate play in and play out, and 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 again. Cole's a really good offensive lineman. He's technically efficient. Um, you know, he's moved around. He's filled holes. But I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say immortal. 
Um, and, you know what I, and, and again, I agree with the point entirely. So it, it looks now, now with some of the recruiting that they've got that they got a couple of guys that could step up. It, the inside of the offensive line appears to be sound with Caesar Ruiz and uh, the rest of the people they got there uh, for the front three. But the two tackles are the problem. Juwan Bushol Beatty is questionable. He was there last year, but he wasn't great. And you got Runyon Jr. on the other side for the two tackles. So the two tackles seem to be the iffiest spots on the offensive line now. Cesar Ruiz is going to be good, and on when you is going to be good if he doesn't get injured uh, there. And uh, uh, Bradison is the left guard, and he's going to be good. So those three are going to be solid. There's no question about it. But it's the other two, that left tackle provides a lot of pass protection, and how good is he going to be? We've either got to see a great change in Bushel Beatty or our replacement. And there are some newcomers along there that are good. James Hudson switched over from defense. He's, he's getting high ratings from everybody. And Chuck Filiaga is another one that's good in there, and he's as big as a house. He's got size, and he's a, supposedly got a great future. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting to watch it all work out, but at least uh, they've got some new um, talent coaching the offensive line in Warner. Everybody seems to like him a lot. Seems to think he's doing a good job, and he's been recruiting well. So he was a good. Now, one other interesting thing when you're talking about coaches, how long is McElwain going to be at Michigan? His, he runs out uh, sometime next January, his contract. Uh, so he's got a one-year contract. So it's kind of going to be kind of interesting to see what he's doing uh, after the season. Well, you know, at this point, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen him do anything yet, so I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to worry about. You understand? It's hard for me to worry about a guy leaving when we haven't even seen what impact he has. Um, you don't, you know, I, well, reports are that he's had a hell of an impact there. So, that, like I said before, we don't see him in a game. We don't see him scrimmage. So, you know. After Notre Dame, we'll see if there's been a specific improvement to the receiver group. And I think that uh, some of the talents they got, Black and Peoples-Jones, are going to be great this year. And there are two or three others there that you can throw in that are going to be good. So I think that's going to be an improvement. I don't know. I thought they were lacking last year not to have a specific coach for the receiver group other than a student assistant type. I don't understand that. Well, like I said, I, I'm interested to see what we see on the field. It is Harbaugh's job to assemble his coaches and, and do whatever he needs to do there. Um, you, you know, whenever, whenever we have suggested or people have suggested that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, um, the word comes back as well. You know, sometimes too many cooks in the kitchen are bad, and sometimes so many cooks in the kitchen give you a real good recipe. So uh, we, yep. we will see how that is 
Um, I would say that the last two years we have not seen a real good result. Um, but again, hopeful. Um, you know, another thing that I think is a really, a really positive change is, uh, you know, we talked about, you, know, you and I talked about before, the red shirt rule change, which um, it is a real positive. You know, the thing that I really like about it is that it's completely clear now. There's no, you have to fudge. You know, before it would be, you know, if a player played, the red shirt was burned, or how many plays in a game, or how many plays in a season, and then you'd have guys who'd get mysteriously injured and apply for a red shirt, and it was, it was a magical mystery adventure, exactly if somebody yeah. was going to be a red shirt or not red shirt, and this is just, frankly, it's surprising from the NCAA because it's actually sane. Um, I, I think. You know, it's gonna. You know, it's really gonna open up. Uh, you know, again, multiple scenarios. If the season is lost, you're gonna get. You're gonna see players at the end, and you're not gonna worry about. You know, seeing them burn their red shirt. Um, you know, I could even see. Uh, you know, players used in only some packages in some games, maybe a, a special play or something. You know, you could give your players a taste against Michigan State and Ohio State. Um, you know, help them understand that the games are a little different. Uh, you know, you know, give them a little chance under the big spotlight. It, it really makes all kinds of sense. And again, surprising that it does make so much sense that the NCAA actually um, went with it, went through with it. I know that there are actually rumors that it had been put up and that people didn't expect it to pass, and it was somewhat surprising that it actually did pass. Not true that now the rule is that a player can play in four games. Yep, that's just it. Again, sorry, I, I didn't, I didn't enunciate that. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, you can play in four games and you're not going to lose your red shirt. So I think that's great. It's really. I do too. I mean, again, I was I was so happy and so surprised I didn't uh, enunciate exactly what the rule was, but but that is the rule. Yeah. Um, yep. So I think that's great, you know. Now I'm sure I, I, I'm sure there's going to be somebody who plays four games in one play who's going to get screwed, but we will we will cross that bridge when we get to it. No. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, oh, more more news out of uh, camp, uh, you know. Coach took the team to Paris, and they did not play football, but they went on an amazing field trip, which is great. Glad they had a good time. Um, they announced that next year they'll be going to South Africa. Um, hopefully some year they'll, they'll make a trip to Indianapolis. I wonder when that's scheduled. Um, and, again, I, I think, you know, these spring trips are great. Um, you know, again, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, word is they cost just under a million dollars, uh, you know, which is all picked up by, by alumni donors. Um, next year they're going to South Africa. Um, rumors abound on future locations, Cuba, Spain. Um, and, again, these are great. Uh, you know, I know they've kicked around London. I, I would love to go and, and see Michigan do anything in London. Um, but, again, uh, you know, these are great personal development trips. 
if they help if they help with with team bonding and team unity, that's great. I'd really like to see. You know, I, I feel like a broken record. I really want to see Michigan compete. Uh, no, you know what? I'm done with competing. I want to see Michigan beat Ohio State, you know, and Michigan State, and and go to Indianapolis and at least make the Big Ten championship game. Um, That's right. They've never played there. That is the standard here at Michigan. And, you know, we talked about this last season. You know, it was seven years since Michigan beat Ohio State, 14 years since they won a Big Ten championship, 21 years since they won a national championship. All those numbers keep going up. And, um, you know, people can go on and on about Michigan State. I really don't care. We should be beating them just as a matter of course. Um, you know, Ohio State is the gold standard. Um, there, and, and, you know, now you have Penn State rising in, in, the, yes. uh, in the Big Ten. So between all these things, all the off-the-field stuff is great, but we really need to see more on the field. And I think that's – I think we agree on as that. Far as, as far as the trips have gone, they've gone smoothly. The Paris trip had no incidents except Angelique Shangalis was accosted on the street. Um, a reporter for the news got accosted on the street by a lady that was uh, unhappy with Yankees. And so, um, you know, there, there's always the chance of some kind of um, yeah, but, incident. Yeah, but, but Andy, this, Andy, I've been to Paris. That's just par for the course there. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, but this trip to South Africa really grabs my imagination. My son was there this year, this summer, uh, and Charlie uh, Calahari and Serengeti and all that went on safari there. Got beautiful pictures, close-ups of leopards and trees and everything, and um, saw alligators and everything that you can think of. Wildebeest, the whole, you know, Springbok, the whole, the whole thing is there. Everything is there, and the cultures are massively different in any of the Botswana or any of the other countries that they go to. The cultures will be so different from the United States that for people that haven't traveled much, it is going to be a very solid cultural shock to see how people in the other part of the world live especially in these deserts. You know where else would be a great cultural shock? Indianapolis. Indianapolis would be a great... You know where else would be a great cultural (laughs) shock? Indianapolis. I really think that the coach should take his team and, and see if they could see, maybe even participate in how Big Ten teams play for a championship. That's what I'd really like to see. So... Not to keep not to keep beating the dead horse, but what I'd really like to see is, um, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not that I'm raw or anything, but as I was going through my closet and I had to throw out, I, I you know I got rid of some old T-shirts from the national championship season because they are completely wore out, and uh, I'm looking at my T-shirt from the last time we went to the Rose Bowl and it's getting pretty wore out, uh, and. You know, Andy, you talk about your kid. I've been telling my youngest daughter that we were going to go to California for the Rose Bowl. She's 13 now, and every year she says, is this the year? If you think my patience is over, you should talk to my 13-year-old. She's about had it. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, she's 
she's lost patience with you. Every year you know, through the yeah. season, she's like, are we still on track to go to the Rose Bowl? And then Michigan will lose once, and I'll say, well, maybe. And then it'll lose again, and I'll go, no, we're not going to the Rose Bowl. And she gets completely completely disgusted. So, um, I wonder if this circumstance will ever occur again at the Rose Bowl is for the national championship as well as being just the Rose Bowl gift to a team. And you know, I, I, at this point... Is the national championship going to be played there? You know, they rotated. I, I again, I'm sure that it will, but yep. I'd be fine just to go to a you know a bowl game that's not in Florida. Oh, jeez. Me too. You know, Me too. I'm just, I just really am done. So it's 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 been a long, long time, and you I I think that Coach Harbaugh is going to get us there. I just hope it's sooner rather than later, and uh, this year would be great. You know, I, I'm still raw from two seasons ago where we were looking so good, and then blew that game against Iowa, and then yeah. and then choked against Ohio State. Um, really, yeah. just still, I, I I see that the last couple minutes of that Ohio State game, and uh, you know, we're you know score the touchdown and have the chance to go for two in the win, and we just kicked. So you know, everybody wants to talk that about the you know the Ohio State player being short and that's not what disappoints me in that game. Um, what disappoints me in that game is we had the chance to win. Win or lose on your own terms and we and we kicked. So and again, you know, I keep beating the drum. Go for the win on the road, you know, tie at home and we we tied. I still I that that's going to aggravate me for the rest of my days. <laughs> so so, well, I think a lot of fans, you're in that boat with a lot of fans. A lot of fans feel that way, and rightfully so. It's time for Michigan to do something on the football field that's remarkable. Well, and then... We'll see if it can this year. And then, but it, it, if, even if Harbaugh had a bad year this year, I, they're not going to get rid of him. He's been good for Michigan in many ways. Just that on the field, that hasn't been there yet. I think it's coming, but this would sure be a timely year for it. Oh, Andy. Okay. Okay. I cannot. I cannot envision any realistic scenario where Harbaugh gets fired this year or leaves. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I yeah, do. I, I do think legitimately, if if they struggle this year. You cannot, you know, it, it's fair to say that maybe the, the seat gets starts to warm up a little bit, um, but oh, it will. but again, he's he's you know he's winning and all he's winning in every criteria except on the field, um, you know. Again, right. and, and I'll tell you when you, I mean, it, so we go through this cycle, right? Rich Rod comes in and his strength and conditioning coach says, "Oh, your facilities are bad," so then we build new facilities, right? And um, Harbaugh comes in and, oh, we, we need more facilities. And they got a basketball court and they got another weight room and they got this and that. And I'm just like, guys, you have everything you need. You know, you have two foot indoor football practice buildings. You have uh, an amazing strength and conditioning you know, facility before. You have this extra one that's been added on. You have every, you know, there has not been one request that has not been met. So... At a certain point, it's just like any organization. When you have all the resources to win and you have the people to win, you got to win. 
And I think that's that's, right. the, that's the frustration <clears throat> that I have as you know as a fan and as a, an observer of the program is you want to say, Coach, what don't you have? What what you know? Every request has been met. Everything. And everything was already here or has been has been added on to. I mean, hey, I'd like to go on a spring trip. Okay. And, and an alumnus writes a check and he goes on a spring trip. I mean, it would be great if we had all of our vacations paid for, right? Um, you know, again, um, Rome, Paris. Hey, this is great. That's a spectacular. Again, uh we would all like to, to list all the things in our, our bucket list and have our employer pay for them or have you know an, a, a friend or a donor pay for them. There's a certain point you got to get it done on the field, and, and we're, we're getting to that point. We are at that point. You're past that point. It, it's more than time for them to get going. And the field management for Michigan hasn't been especially good this last year under Harbaugh. It was nothing remarkable. The play calling, the, the the timeouts, the this and that and the other hasn't been managed as well as I expected him to do it, knowing his background. But we'll see how they do this year. This year's the litmus test. We'll know more after September first when when I sit down and write that article about that game. I'll be a lot more informed on the status of Michigan football than I am right now, and I'm surely, really looking forward to it. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, So, you know, uh, the last thing is Coach has announced that uh, he has invited Chris Weber to be uh, a captain, an honorary captain. That is spectacular. And I am being so sarcastic; it is not even funny. Um, you know, talk about talk about things off the field that it just, um, you know, you know, it, it's it's almost it's almost Trumpian. That's all I can say. There's so much, you know, things on the side. That, you know, look over here, look over here, look over here. I, I just can't believe that. Um, that this is up this year. Um, I uh, I can't either. It was news to me and not very welcome news. Uh, that was a tough 20 years that we went through because of the mistakes that those players, especially Weber, made uh, there in the money thing. And uh, it permeated the whole program. And I don't know if I'm ready to forgive and forget, but... If Harbaugh is, and if the athletic director is, and if Coach Beeline is, then I'll climb on board. But it's not something that I would have pulled pulled out of the air and done that because uh, you know what they were a dirty they were a dirty program that got caught, and it seems to me you're kind of hitching your your uh, future to that. When Michigan made it back to the national championship game under Beeline. I decided to let it go, meaning that I just yeah. wasn't going to bash on the Fab Five era. Because, Andy, understand, I was in school then. I was there, see those, saw those guys on campus, experienced it. And, um, and again, maybe it's different for people who came after, but you saw the damage that they did to the program 
um, specifically Weber, um, and, and it's the attitude. It's uh, it's, it was never his fault. It was always somebody. And you know, Andy, there are plenty. There are plenty of players who have been exploited by universities and the NCAA. Chris Weber is not one of them. Okay. That's right. Chris Weber. That's the way I feel too. But we're going to be in the minority because I think most of later generations want to forgive and forget and bury that. And so, if that's what they want, and that's and that can be done with honor, then I'm all for them. I but am. It really, really shocked and surprised me, and I was dismayed. No, you I know what, Andy? I am disappointed. I yeah. am not shocked. Yeah. I'm not dismayed. You know what? If this this if this was under David Brandon, I would understand because he was a crook too. Okay, I get it. I understand. You know, you want to suck up. You want to suck up to somebody who maybe can uh, make a donation or or that you know there are donors or alumni who'd like to see back. But under David Brandon, this wouldn't surprise me because I know that he was working this. Okay, but. To have a guy who was on the take in high school, who was on the take in college, who got into trouble when he was in the NBA, okay? I mean, I remember one of my favorite stories was you know, he, when he was at, um, oh gosh, what team did he play in L.A. or out in California? When he was out in um, Golden State, right, he got arrested for, like, driving 125 miles an hour, right? I mean, just something obscene. And he was like, well, you know, they should just be glad I'm here playing. I mean, it's just just the attitude. I mean, just, you know, he's owed everything. Um, just And again, he made millions of dollars. He, you know, he, he didn't get exploited. And, you know, to, to sit with Mitch Album during the Fab Five era and complain about the university making money off of his jerseys while he was on the take. And... And the other thing is, you know, there was a report that the university did on all the stuff that, that happened during the Fab Five era. And it makes, you know, again, it was done after the fact, but it was, it was, it was done by U of M, okay? And to read through the stuff that, that they found out, and again, the damage they did to the program, to the, to the kids who had nothing to do with them but paid the price. Um, and again, to, to, for Harbaugh to associate himself with somebody. And, you know, it's interesting because Harbaugh, you know, one of the things that came out last year is Harbaugh was volunteering in court, you know. And I'm just like, shoot, I, I wonder, maybe he should have volunteered in court and when Weber was being prosecuted. Because maybe, you know, I, I don't know where Jim Harbaugh was when all this was going down, but it would be different if Weber was contrite. If Weber, Weber wanted to be forgiven, if Weber said he was sorry, but he's been dismissive of Michigan and of and even of, the, of his own team, you know, he really is just has an amazing and his, and his former teammates. That's what I'm saying. I mean, just an amazing contempt. While while he was getting paid, you know, again, there there are people who have gripes, legitimate gripes against the NCAA. And, and um, you know universities. Chris Webber is not one of them. You know, and you know, you everyone can cheer. I won't. I I I, I really despise the guy. I despise this decision. Um, you know, a couple of years ago we were down in Ohio State and Jim Trussell came out 
and and the crowd went crazy, and Michigan fans were just incensed. They couldn't understand that. How could Ohio State people not understand that 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 he that Jim Trestle's a crook? Okay, Jim Trestle screwed over the FBI. We thought it was hilarious. So now we're going to cheer Chris Weber? Nah, no thanks, not me. So you know, and again, I, like you said, there are going to be plenty of people who are going to be happy. Um, whatever, no thanks. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you look at, you know, you look at what some of the other, the positive things that some of the other Fab Five have done. You know, Jalen Rose. Jawan. Uh, yeah. Jawan Howard, for one. You know, they went on for, for to have good NBA careers. Jalen Rose has a charter school in Michigan. But we're going to have Chris Weber be the honorary captain. You know, it's it's a crappy message, and it's a message I don't agree with. And... Um, it, it doesn't. But now I also know it doesn't matter what we think. Jim Harbaugh is going to do what he wants because that's what he does. But I, I think it's crappy. And and, and you know what? I'm not. I, I'll keep this PG related, but it's more than crappy. Okay. It's really. It, I, I will not. You know, I won't abide it. I won't agree. I'm not going to say it's okay. It's not. Somebody has to say it's not okay. And I know, like you said, everybody's going to be falling over themselves with the homecoming story. And, nah, I was there. I saw it. Um, you know, nah, it, it's not what we should be. This is not what Michigan should be honoring. Um, you know, again, I, you know, I, guess, I guess soon we'll have Bernie Madoff Day. You know, I just, I just can't. I, you know, I guess we can go off the list of all the criminal alumni and just have, you know, one every year, I guess. Um, and not that Bernie Madoff was an alum, but again, you know, it's... Chris Weber whining about how players are oppressed and, and taking advantage of is just hilarious. Just the, the ultimate hypocrisy, you know. And again, uh, you know, uh, you know. And let's let's get into it, okay? You know, Chris Weber. You know, there are players who have come who've come from broken families. Chris Weber didn't come from a broken family, okay? There are players who went to crappy inner city schools. Chris Weber did not go to a crappy inner city school. He had every advantage. He had more talent than yeah. anybody on that court, and he still had to cheat. He still had to cheat. And, and there's no other way to dress it up. And, and you know what? Not only did he cheat, he never won anything. Never won a Big Ten. Never won a national championship. And even with all that talent and all the cheating, he still couldn't get it done. And frankly, he didn't win in the NBA either. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm done with Chris Weber. And... You know, uh, he can go retire and do whatever and, and be a commentator, and, and everybody can pretend to forget, but no. So, so there I am with that. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still going to watch Michigan football with a great deal of interest this year, like most of the other fans. This ought to be a standout year. It's going to be an interesting year. We'll see if they can't get things straightened up and changed and become winners when they have to win. They still need, Harbaugh does, a signature win. He hasn't had. He still needs that Big Ten championship game. Oh, wait. Would be, wait, wait. You know what? That kind of reminds me of Chris Weber, still looking for a signature win. <laughs> well, I don't want to paint that same picture for Harbaugh and Weber, but... but uh, 
they they need to get it together and do something this year. The time is now. There'll never be a better time. It's now. They got to do it. They got seven home games in which to uh, turn things around. But unfortunately, the big games, Michigan State and Ohio State, are both there. So they're really going to have to cut the rug really well to go into the the bowl in Columbus and uh, bring a drag a win out of there. They've done it before. Your favorite Drew Henson did that. And on that happy note, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Andy Anderson. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.